You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. And I am Dr. Timothy Bailey, sitting in for Dr. Stephen Edelman. How similar is similar with biosimilar insulins? Joining us to discuss the development in biosimilar insulins is Director of Scientific Services at Profile Institute for Clinical Research in San Diego, Dr. Lutz Heinemann. Dr. Heinemann, welcome to ReachMD. Uh, thank you very much for the kind introduction. Of what do you think are the essential considerations for a biosimilar insulins? Um, I think the major consideration is is that the manufacturers of insulins that are used predominantly in the U.S. and in Europe are manufactured by a limited number of manufacturers. That means Novo Nordisk, Sanofi Aventis, and Eli Lilly clearly in the U.S. Um, this is clearly an attractive market, a large market, and a strongly growing market. So other manufacturers of pharmaceutical products are clearly also interested in coming into this market and to sell their products, what they believe is an identical or similar insulin in these regulated markets in the U.S. and in Europe as well. No biosimilar insulin is on the market right now in the U.S. or in Europe. Could you tell us a little bit more about how complicated this is? Um, t- talking now about the manufacturing of um, biologics of pro- or proteins or insulins, um, we have at first to acknowledge that biosimilar insulins or insulin manufacturing in general is not something like we have done with the generics. If you think about, for example, aspirin or so, this is a relatively simple and small chemical entity. And here, with relatively simple pharmacokinetic measurements, you can compare one production with the other. However, with biologics, with proteins, manufacturing is much more complex. That starts with the cell line, with the different other steps in manufacturing, and simple things like a difference in temperature or in pH can alter the two- or three-dimensional structure of these proteins to an extent that makes a difference in towards the biological effects. So it sounds like uh, there there could be subtle differences between these products, and I, I think there's already in some countries biosimilars on the market. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, for example, the well-known long-acting insulin analog insulin glargine is already on the market in the market in China and India, manufactured by not the classical Lantus manufacturers and Nofia Ventus, but by other large pharmaceutical companies in these countries. And it's interesting to see that, for example, Biocon has published a study in which they compared their insulin glargine formulation with Lantus and showed that their insulin, uh, long-acting insulin, has some glycosylation on it. In other words, small amounts of glucose, of sugar, are attached to these proteins, which are not attached to insulin lantus from the Nofi Aventus. The question is, at the end, 
Are these differences of clinical relevance, yes or no? Well, I see that. So these are biosimilars. They're not bioidenticals. So this must is probably going to pose some regulatory challenges in terms of the U.S. and to ensure that the, our patients have access to quality and efficacious and safe medications. I think we have to clearly state that it's practically impossible to produce bioidentical proteins. There always are and will be differences in the manufacturing process. Clearly also because the manufacturers of the original product, in this case, for example, the Anofi Aventus, even if the patterns are known, they will not describe in each and every detail how the manufacturing process will look like. Therefore, each company has to develop their own process to manufacture the insulin. And with biological substances like insulin, the process is a product. So, and this is then the challenge for the regulatory people, like in the U.S. for the FDA or in Europe for the EMA. And to then to guarantee for the patients and for the physicians that the efficacy and safety of a given biosimilar is identical or at least similar to the ones which has already, after a lengthy and expensive approval procedure, get approval in the regulatory uh, regulated markets is uh, somewhat cumbersome. Um, going a little bit more in detail into the regulatory world in Europe, the EMA has um, published in 2003, I think for the first time, uh, a guideline for overall, an overall guideline for biosimilar proteins. And subsequently, they have published additional guidelines then for quality, for quality issues and for other non-clinical and clinical issues. Additionally, they have then published guidelines for specific biosimilar products like growth hormone um, and, and other peptides and also for regular human insulin. So in Europe, we have for a number of years now a well-established regulatory pathway for each and every biosimilar protein that means also for different insulins. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Timothy Bailey, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lutz Heinemann, and we're discussing biosimilar insulins. Thank you for your uh, words, particularly on what's happening in Europe, because it looks like things are moving quicker in Europe these days, regulatory-wise, than they in the U.S. And, and so could you tell us more about the, what, what's happening here with the FDA in terms of their guidelines? To my understanding, the FDA was supposed to come along with guidelines for biosimilar insulins in the last year, but has not published that far any clear guidelines. However, there are at least two different, a little bit opposing activities in the U.S., to my understanding, to have good guidelines that will allow the manufacturers from India, for example, Wokart as one company, or Biocon as another one, or from China, Ganli is one of the large manufacturers there, which declares to have one of the most modern uh, insulin manufacturing plants in the world, and they clearly will, to my understanding, discuss with the FDA or with the regulatory authorities in, in Europe 
what are the requirements, what they have to show in order to make sure that the efficacy and the safety of their products is comparable to the ones that are already on the market in the U.S. and in Europe. Do you think they'll have to have factories in the United States? To be honest, not. With such complex proteins like insulin, it's not that you have only one batch on one day or one production day that is, has to fulfill all the requirements. No, it has to be that the different batches over and over again fulfill the same requirements. This might, this might sound easy on a first glance, but if you think a little bit more about the details, all the suppliers of enzymes, of solutes, and, and so on and so on, have to produce their stuff with the same quality over and over again. And this is not easy to handle, that this complex interaction of different substances over time generates the same end product, means the insulin, with an identical three-dimensional structure and all the other properties that has to be given in order to have an identical metabolic effect at the end. So to guarantee a good batch-to-batch variability is a tricky story. Where does the healthcare provider fit in? Because presumably the insurance companies may be pressuring us to switch from a branded insulin to a biosimilar, or how will that happen, do you think? What I foresee is a number of insulin glargin formulation, to take this as an example, with very similar names. And now the question is, okay, doctor, is this better than the other one? Probably not. But what happens now if I switch from this one to this one? Who is then liable? Who will then take care of me um, if I go to this insulin? Can I call there a helpline and so on and so on? So there are a number of practical aspects for the healthcare provider that are also relevant. That does not mean that these new companies cannot provide it, but it might take them some time to establish the service that the well-known insulin manufacturers have already established. It sounds like also that it's going to be important if patients switch, that they, can't be, they shouldn't be switched each month, even though they're similar. They, that might be adjustable by the physician. Yeah, and this is a little bit a, a tricky aspect, Tim. Um, imagine that there is an immunological reaction, and the patient was switched three months before to a biosimilar insulin, but a month before was switched back to the insulin formulation he had before, or a different one even. So who is then, which insulin was the one who in, induced the immunological reaction? How to make clear which insulin formulation induced this immunological reaction? This is in detail a tricky story. Um, we have to think about who is then, is this a, just a simple switch that can be done by each pharmacist? Is this something that has to be done by the physician? So in detail, again, we have to think about how to handle this for also from a safety and efficacy point of view in order that we are able to follow the different yeah, risks that are involved in treatment with insulins. I would like to thank our guest, Director of Scientific Services at Profil Institute for Clinical Research in San Diego, Dr. Lutz Heinemann. 
Dr. Heinemann, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. In last week's class, we talked about how diabetes affects the whole person, and we left off with an important question. Are we looking at every part of diabetes? Uh, To help us answer this question, I've invited one of my colleagues as a guest speaker, Dr. Jackie Brennan, who has been practicing endocrinology for over 25 years. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here to discuss a key issue in diabetes whether or not we're looking at the whole picture. As you know, sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. Weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction are also part of the problem. Specifically, I'd like to talk about GLP-1 and how it impacts multiple systems affected by diabetes. Can anyone tell me more about it? Yes, Jamie, go ahead. GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 are critical to glucose control. Exactly. In a glucose-dependent manner, GLP-1 stimulates the beta cells in the pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibits the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. Anyone know what else it does? What about you, Sam? Yeah, doesn't it help control weight by slowing gastric emptying and inducing a feeling of satiety? Yes, and GLP-1 may also play a role in improving beta cell function, a key to slowing diabetes progression. But why is this so important? It's because at diagnosis, type 2 diabetes patients have already lost 50% of beta cell function. Well, isn't impaired GLP-1 physiology also part of the problem in diabetes? Yes, that's a great point. People with type 2 diabetes may have impaired GLP-1 activity and or impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. This could contribute to problems that develop over time. That's why the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. GLP-1 regulates blood sugar in a glucose-dependent manner, may help control weight, and may improve beta cell function. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about the latest treatment available from Novo Nordisk, please visit glp1analog.com.